Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Corey Geiger, flying solo this week. Jared Prugar will be back with us next week. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the college football season, September 1st, a Thursday, Penn State at Purdue. Less than 100 days uh, away now, so less than three months, we'll hear from James Franklin Next week, plus a lot of the Penn State assistant coaches. So there'll be a lot of news, a lot of comments, a lot of, you know, stories out here over the next few weeks. Uh, once we can hear from James Franklin, we'll kind of recap the summer, take a look ahead to the fall. So this is really kind of starting an exciting time as we get closer and closer to actually getting to talk about football. Because what we've been talking about, Jared and I, on all these podcasts week after week, a lot of stuff kind of away from the field, Beaver Stadium, NIL, all these types of things. I'm going to ask the question today. We're going to go off the field here again. I'm going to ask the question of, should college football players be employees? Should we just scrap the whole damn system of scholarship and and NIL implications and all of these things and just say, hey, look, for college football and college basketball in Division One, you guys are now employees. We're going to do away with the model that we've always had and say, look, uh, if, if, if this is the route we're going to go, we're going to pay you a salary. Oh, I'm wondering if they're prepared for this part. You got to pay taxes. <laughs> we'll discuss that a little bit more here in a bit. Back in January, uh, I'm reading a story here from uh, Sports Illustrated uh, a few months ago, but back in January, Kirk Street said, quote, I say we make the players employees. I say we're on a path to unionization. That's where we're headed. All right. So is that going to be the way this is all going to go? Now, again, let me read you the part of the story from the Sports Illustrated. Back in February, the National College Players Association filed unfair labor practice charges with the National Labor Relations Board against the NCAA office, the Pac-12 conference, and California schools, USC and UCLA, as single and joint employers of FBS football players and Division I men's and women's basketball players. This is the key part. The goal is to affirm employee status for D1 basketball players and FBS football players. All right, so there's a lot to digest and unpack here. 
I wrote a while back here at DK Pittsburgh Sports that college football is broken and there may not be any realistic fix. I'm going to stand by that. I I don't like when people throw out problems and don't try to give you any opportunity or really even take any uh, steps to give you ways to fix the problem, if you know what I'm saying. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, college football's broken, man, and then just throw my hands up, walk away, say nothing can ever be done about it, and it's kind of a cop-out to really not give any kinds of solutions whatsoever. Now, in the piece I wrote, I do think what's going to happen with college football at some point is we are going to have the major programs, Jerry and I talk about this a lot, the haves versus the have-nots, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, those kinds of schools, and they're going to form their own college football league. They're, they're going to be the professional league of college football. I think this is going to happen, 40, 50 teams, you know, blah, blah, blah. We've discussed this before. Is Pitt going to be one of those 50 teams? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Penn State certainly would be. So I, I do think that is one potential solution or part of a solution that will happen at some point down the road. And that will be so much money involved with more of these schools. But we're still always going to have this problem, even under that scenario, of how do we pay the players? Do we just let name, image, and likeness be the way we're going to go? So th- this past week, Ohio State coach Ryan Day made news. He actually put a dollar figure on name image likeness. He says $13 million to maintain Ohio State's football roster. That's per year. All right. That's that's per year. And to be perfectly honest with you, I I if that's the number in June of 2022, um, what's that number gonna be in 2023, in 2024, in 2033? million seems pretty realistic as of right now for what Ohio State is trying to do, which is compete at the absolute highest level of college football, trying to win a national championship. And ultimately, that's what Penn State is trying to do as well. So the $13 million figure that Ryan Day throws out there, you know, could Ohio State conceivably get to that number? I don't know. I'm not an expert on Ohio State's finances, but let's look at it from Penn State's perspective. Can Penn State generate $13 million a year in NIL to make sure that their roster can stay intact? You know what, folks? If you're listening to this and you're a big Penn State fan and you say, of course, Geiger, Penn State's a huge school, 107,000 seats. They've got all this money. They can afford to pay off. Well, are you sure about that? $13 million a year. Penn State, look, we, we've, talk, we've gone over and over and over this. Penn State does not necessarily have these huge donors that can just all fork over $10, 20 30 $40 million in order to pay for everything that Penn State needs, including the stadium and other things. NIL is not the only thing they need. But this $13 million figure is interesting because uh, we've thrown about kind of ambiguous numbers for a while. And I'm kind of glad Ryan Day 
decided to put a number out there, 13 million. Uh, where exactly he came up with 13 million, I don't know. I would guess, you know, Ohio State's kind of been uh, tackling this whole NIL issue for a while. They, they seem to be uh, ahead of the curve compared to most and ahead of the curve certainly compared to Penn State, which from everything I've heard is that Penn State has not been ahead of the curve on this NIL stuff. So is that $13 million figure is that accurate? Is it $12 million? Is it $14 million? I'm sure Ryan Day didn't just pick a number out of the air. You know, there's probably some math involved. 85 scholarship players, this guy gets this much. Your stars get this 500000 this 750000 This star gets a million, blah, blah, blah. And on down the roster, number 82 gets 20000 Number 83 gets 10000 whatever. You know, I don't, I'm sure $13 million isn't just some willy-nilly number. But then you kind of have to start thinking, okay, if it's $13 million now, and if your goal is, as Ohio State's goal is, to get to the college football playoff, is that number realistic? Will that number go up? How do you keep up with the Joneses once that number gets to $15 million, $17 million, $19 million, $22 million, $25 million? And then we bring it back home. Can Penn State keep up with the Joneses? And I think Penn State can – they can certainly make progress toward that – I don't know that Penn State's really ever going to be in the same boat as an Ohio State, certainly not as a Texas A&M or, you know, LSU or Alabama probably. But when you take a look at the amount of money we're talking about here, these players, this is the bottom line. These players are going to get their money. That's where we are right now with all this new uh, legislation or all these new rules and everything with transfer portal, NIL. The top players are going to get their money, be it NIL salaries as employees or whatnot. So we're going to take a break here real quick. I'm going to get into in the second segment just what it would look like if college football and basketball players were actually employees. We'll take a break, get into that topic after this. Welcome back to the We Are podcast. We're discussing if college athletes should be employees. I'm going to read you a comment here. This is from Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov. Uh, This is from a Sports Illustrated story earlier this year where he claims that college athletes should not be employees. He says, quote, they are students first and athletes second. And I'm just going to stop right there. All right. I'm just going to stop right there. Actually, I'll say one more. He one more part of the quote. He said that is non-negotiable for me. Well, I, I, I'll debate that with you, George Klyavkov, because I wrote recently, and I I do believe this. These are athlete students. Now, listen. Traditionally, college athletics has been this romantic, opportunity-filled synergy of. Kids going to class, getting an education, playing sports at a high level, and enjoying that opportunity. But you know what, folks? If you still think that these are student athletes and that the student part comes first, the Big Ten is negotiating a $1 
billion dollar a year television rights package for college football. One billion dollars a year. Is that so that these TV networks can put students on TV? Hey guys, it's uh, the Penn State student mathletes versus the Ohio State student mathletes. Let's see who can answer 20 calculus questions first. How much is that TV contract worth? A billion dollars? A billion pennies, which I don't have that in front of me. That's a heck of a lot of money anyway. Is that TV contract worth anything? Penn State's student mathletes versus Ohio State student mathletes. Let's do a whiteout. We can put it in a in a in an arena on a Saturday night for a whiteout, and we can draw forty three people, all parents of the people involved, and we can see if we can sell TV rights deal for that. See if we can get a billion dollars. No, it's absurd. No, nobody nobody watches these games to see students. They watch these games to see athletes. Athlete hyphen students. So the very first thing that Pac-12 Commissioner George Klievkov said, where they are students first and athletes second, is a bunch of crap to me. I don't I don't believe that. If you believe that, uh, let's debate it. Mention it here in the comments. Call my radio show. I'll debate it with you. But I believe that they are athlete students in football and basketball. The money, the money has changed things so dramatically that if we are still considering the student part of this, the most important thing, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. Now, Klievkov goes on to say, we get to a place where we talk about professional athletes and it blows up the whole model. <laughs> well, of course. What, mo- what model are you trying to protect, man? He says, let's take it to the natural conclusion. Talking about professional athletes, then we have a draft. You're telling a kid where to go to college. If they are an employee, do I get the right to fire them? Ooh, man. Now we get into the juicy stuff, guys and ladies. The natural conclusion, he said, goes on to say, of deeming student-athletes employees is very dangerous. It would also mean less of an investment in other sports that are not profit-generating. All of that's true. All of that's true. Because I can sit here and say that, and there is there is some some things going through the legal process right now uh, to try to get, you know, to see, to see if they're, they could forge ahead with college athletes being deemed employees. And we'll see how all that goes. It'll take a while to go through the courts. I can sit here and say, Hey, that's probably the way this is going to go is that ultimately we are talking about the rights of people. And even though the scholarships are worth a lot of money, Mike Porman from statecollege.com, uh, has done the research over the years. He's written that a, a scholarship at Penn State is worth upwards of like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Two hundred and fifty large. Oh, by the way, those kids are not taxed on any of that money. So, if you make them employees, all right. So, where do we start here? Do they all get the same salary? Does Sean Clifford get the same salary as Nick Singleton? an incoming freshman or Drew Aller, even maybe better comparison to Sean Clifford. Who's a 24. He'll be a 24 year old man in his sixth year in college in his fourth season as a starter. Should he get the same salary? Let's just throw out a number. I don't know. 50 grand, you know, 
if, if we're going to if we're going to speculate some of this stuff, let's at least put some numbers on it. 50 grand a year um, as a salary. Does is Drew Aller's salary 50 grand? You know, if you start working at your local a local business and, and you're starting at 20, 20 $21 an hour after you've been there for six years, shouldn't you be expecting to make 30, $31 an hour? So now we've got some issues about how much players are going to be paid. Okay. So another component is I mentioned 50 grand. Well, a scholarship is worth 250 grand. So do the players then, if you're going to make them employees, do they have to make enough money to cover the price of their education. How many of you out there, you can raise your hand. I know it's a podcast. I'll never see you, uh, but I'm raising my hand right now. Absolutely, I'm raising my hand right now. How many of you had to pay for your own damn college? Because uh, I did. Uh, just about everybody I know did. Even if they got some scholarship money, they still had to pay something. So if these football players and basketball players are employees... Well, let's give them 50 or 75 grand. But out of that 50 or 75 grand, they got to pay their tuition. Uh-oh. Oh, wait. What? What? I don't get my $250,000 and everything that comes with that, all the free food, all the free tutoring, all the free everything. I got I got to pay for this now? Huh? Oh, I'm going to need more than 50 grand a year. I'm going to need 80 grand a year. Oh, wait, what's this? Other, what's FICA? What's this? What's this FICA crap on my pay stub here from Penn State University's football team? What's FICA mean? Oh, yeah. Social Security. You got to pay Social Security on that salary now. Got to pay federal taxes. See, let's see. Let's just throw a number out. Say you're making 75,000 as an employee. Let's say Sean Clifford's making 75,000 as an employee. All right. You typically get about 65 or 70 percent of that. Let me do the calculator here. What's uh 75,000 times 65 percent? That's 48,750. All right. So now Sean Clifford, after taxes, is making $48,750. Now he's got to pay his tuition with that. You see where I'm going with this. You see how complicated all of this is and why no matter, again, I'm, I'm going to go back and read you the comment from Kirk Herbstreet in January. He says, I say we make the players employees. I say we're on a path to unionization. That's where we're headed. Okay. I just laid out for you in a minute and a half the trouble with being employees where now these guys got to pay taxes on their employee salary. Now these guys got to pay their own tuition, perhaps. Oh, but shouldn't they just go ahead and get their scholarship money and be employees? Well, wh wh what the hell are we talking about now? On top of your $250,000 scholarship, where you get all of this free food that other students don't get, you get all of this free tutoring that other students don't get, you get all of this world-class experience and working out in the finest facilities in the world that, you know, maybe other students do get in their, in their chosen field and internships and all that. Oh, but now on top of your scholarship, you want a, a 50 or $75,000 salary. Do you see how all these problems start to add up? And then I'm going to go back to what Pac-12 Commissioner Klievkov said about, uh, okay, 
The natural conclusion of deeming student-athletes employees is very dangerous, he said. It would also mean less of an investment in other sports that are non, not profit generating. Oh, wait, here's, here's one other component. Talking about professional athletes, then we have a draft. You're telling a kid where to go to college? If they're an employee, do I get the right to fire them? Oh, that's the key right there, baby. Because look, um, say you bring a kid in on scholarship and you're giving him his 50 or 75 grand as an employee and he does not any good. You're fired. You're fired. We're, we're, see ya. Okay. Cutthroat. Now look, that does happen. That kind of stuff does happen with scholarships and be, scholarships being pulled and players being nudged out the door. Wink, wink. You're not going to play for us. It'd be better for both of us. If you go ahead and transfer player transfer, so on and so forth. But if, if they're employees, all right. Do they get do they get the opportunity or, or do they get a, a contract? Do they get a four year contract as an employee? Does the coach get to say, hey, uh, you're not pulling your weight. We recruited you here because we thought you uh, say in their sales office, we hired you because we thought you could sell fifty thousand dollars in material every month. You're selling seven thousand. You're not pulling your weight. We're going to fire you. Well, can, could you could you go ahead and do that if a college athlete were an employee? Uh, the other component that the Pac-12 commissioner talked about was, do you have a draft? Are you just going to allow high school kids to go anywhere they want if they're employees? Well, yeah, I, I do think that that's a relatively easier one because you as an uh, American citizen, you can go work for anybody you want. If you go, want to go work for company A and go work for company B, Company A meaning Alabama, company B, B meaning Clemson, company C meaning Texas A&M, company D meaning Penn State. You have the right to go work wherever you want. But again, I'm throwing out all these things. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, this is just a bunch of hypothetical nonsense, it's really not. Because when you change rules, and I'm going to mention something that James Franklin has talked about at times when various things have come up in college athletics. When you change rules, you must be prepared for any and every possible outcome of those rules changes, all right? And what I'm giving you here, these are just random discussion points of, do I personally, do I think college football players should be employees? Yes. My answer is yes. Do I have the wherewithal legally to come up with answers to all of these questions about can you fire them? What about scholarships? What about taxes? All of those things would be just gigantic, gigantic question marks that would have to be answered if you're going to blow up a system. Now, does the system need to be blown up? Will it be blown up eventually? I do think it will be. I, I do. I do. I think that I think all everything that we've known about college football is already getting closer and closer to getting blown up with all this NIL and TV money. And so there will be something different in the future. But will it be this employee kind of model? Well, hey, if you're going to come up with these rules, as Franklin has talked about in the past on other types of issues, you'd better be prepared for this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, this scenario. Because all of these things are incredibly, incredibly complicated, and there's so much money involved. And again, I'll throw out the number again. Does Sean Clifford get the same salary as Drew Aller? 
Well, Drew Aller is the the prized prospect recruit. Sean Clifford is the 24-year-old six-year quarterback. Do you have to treat them differently at salaries? Well, where, wherever you work, whatever job you have, don't you get paid maybe a different salary than someone else who's either been there longer, might be better, might be worse, might be a higher position, might have more responsibility? So, uh, Kevon Lee, does Kevon Lee get the same salary as Nick Singleton? Do you get a five or ten thousand dollar a year bump? These are the these are the scenarios I enjoy kind of just I'm just I'm literally sitting here brainstorming a bunch of crap <laughs> that could come up if, if we went down this road of making athletes employees. All right, we're gonna take a break here. Coming up in the third segment, we're gonna take a look ahead at a couple other factors as we get a little bit closer and closer to the start of the college football season here, less than a hundred days away. Welcome to our final segment of this week's We Are podcast. We're going to talk about some football on the field now. I, I do want to correct one thing I, I mentioned in last week's podcast. Jared and I were discussing wins and losses, what kind of record we thought Penn State might have this season. The over-under that Vegas has for the Nittany Lions is eight and a half. And we were kind of going through the schedule, and I was saying, oh, this could be a loss, that could be a loss, so on and so forth. I, I, I really kind of misspoke. I looked at Northwestern and thought, you know, hey, that's 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 a loss there. I didn't necessarily mean to pick pick, pick Northwestern to lose. I, I, I when I went back and listened to, it, I thought ah, I'm not comfortable necessarily with that. What I was comfortable saying was that that's the kind of game that I think Penn State could have trouble with. And so, if I'm looking at eight and a half wins over under, look, I picked Penn State to go seven and five, so I would definitely take the under there. And I mentioned in the podcast last week, they lost to Illinois, for God's sake, last year. So Northwestern can kind of give them some trouble. I'm not going to pick them to lose to Northwestern, most likely. So I just want to kind of correct that. That bothered me when I went back and and listened to it. But I, I, I can definitely see Northwestern giving them a tough game. All right, I did write this week, uh, I, I looked at the preseason rankings, kind of compared Penn State and Pitt in the preseason rankings. So I'm going to kind of go through those. In ESPN's rankings done by Mark Schleyball, he's got Pitt, number 15. Penn State, not ranked. Athlon Sports, Pitt, number 23. Penn State, number 25. Sporting News, Pitt, number 21. Penn State, not ranked. USA Today, the only major one I could find that has Penn State ahead of Pitt. Uh, lines are 20th. Pitt, number 24. Pro Football Focus, Pitt, number 13, Penn State not ranked. And in ESPN's uh, Football Power Index, which is not a top 25, it's a computer metric and analysis of things based on strengths and schedules and and analyzed predicted matchups, all that kind of stuff. They've got Pitt number nine, and they've got Penn State number 12. So you got several of these preseason top 25 rankings, don't even have Penn State ranked at all. But ESPN's Football Power Index has Penn State at number 12. So that's that seems to be pretty high. Should Penn State be ranked in the top 25? All right. I say no. 
Uh, I don't believe that a team coming off of a seven and six season that had eight players drafted, including most of its best defensive players, all Americans, Jaquan Brisker, Arnold Ebicady, some pretty good linebackers, you know, Brandon Smith, some other players drafted, and certainly on offense, Jahan Dotson. I'm not going to take a team that finished seven and six and lost a whole bunch of players, especially on defense, and lost their defensive coordinator and rank them in the preseason top 25. I, I wouldn't do that. I, 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 can, can Penn State be good this year? Could Penn State find a way to get to, say, nine and three? Yeah. I'm not going to cross that out of the realm of possibility. If they can fix the running game and fix the offensive line, I think Sean Clifford is good enough, good enough to maybe find a way to win nine games if everything breaks right with the schedule and they can stay healthy. But that's a giant if. Do I believe? Do I truly believe that the offensive line will will get fixed? No. It was horrendous last year. I think it can be better. It can't be worse. Do I think the running ga- running game will be improved this year? Yes. It can't get worse. It was horrendous last year again. So yeah, I think if they can fix things in the running game, fix things in the offensive line, not have Sean Clifford have to do everything. Could they win eight, maybe even nine games? Sure, it's possible. That's why that Vegas number is sitting there at eight and a half. I've got them going seven and five right now. And really, again, if we're talking about a preseason top 25, no, I, I can't I can't in good faith rank Penn State with the roster coming back in the top 25. I, 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 I couldn't do it. Now, uh, I haven't thought through, you know, 80 schools in the country to see if I'd rank Penn State 27th or 29th or 33rd or 30. I, I don't, nobody does all that stuff except for maybe Phil Steele, <laughs> who is incredible at this. Um, but I wouldn't put, put, put Penn State in the top 25. I'd put Pitt in the top 20. I, I think I wrote that I'd have Pitt like right around number 20. They've got a lot coming back on both sides of the ball, but they're losing Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. So even if you've got a lot coming back, you're losing those two guys and your offense coordinator, Mark Whipple. Uh, those are major, major, major stars that you've got to replace. So I'd have Pitt around number 20. I would not rank Penn State. Um, and again, I'm going through here uh, some of these polls. Uh, Penn State not ranked. Penn State not ranked. Penn State number 25. Uh, Penn State number 20. So the highest I've seen them was in USA Today's, and that's number 20. That's uh, just way too high to me. Could could they finish in the top 20? Sure. Again, all kinds of things could go you know, different than maybe I expect, and maybe they can have a much better season. But uh, to say that a 7-6 and six team deserves to be ranked in the top 20 or top 25 in, in the next preseason, I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see how a college football rider could do that. Now, I want to also mention this. For sake of uh, clarity, I do not vote in the top 25. I never have. I never will. I will never want to, uh, no matter what, um, because I cover one team. I cover Penn State. I don't cover the country. I don't have enough time to watch as much of every team and study as much as every on every team on a Saturday that it takes to vote in the top 25. <laughs> it's just one of those things where if you're going to be a top 25 voter, I think you've got to devote a tremendous amount of time to all of these teams. I devote my time to Penn State. That's the team that I cover. I don't travel with Penn State on the road any longer. I did for 
you know, 17, 18 years. I don't travel anymore. If you're traveling, covering a team on a Saturday, there's no way you have enough time to digest and fully appreciate what all these other teams in the country are doing. So I don't vote in the top 25. I do vote for the Heisman, uh, and I have for a number of years. I I, I enjoy uh, and, and appreciate that privilege. But voting in the top 25 is extremely, extremely difficult to do. It should be, it shouldn't be beat writers that cover a team. It should be, you know, more college vo- football overview guys that they can sit and watch like you do, like you fans do at home. You might sit and watch eight or 10 games on your TV on a Saturday. I watch one. If I can watch a second or a third, great. But if Penn State's at home, and I got a 12-hour day at Beaver Stadium. I don't have time to watch really more than more than one football game. Um, so believe me, there are a lot of you fans, and I'll, I'll tell you all this in case, you know, maybe, maybe you suspect this, but a lot of you fans know way more about college football teams all across the country than a lot of beat writers do for given teams, Penn State or, or, or any other team, because beat writers, again, are focused so much on covering their team. So I don't pretend to be any kind of expert on the top 25. I just know that there's no way I would take a team that finished seven and six last year and put them in a, and and then lost as much talent as Penn State did and then find a way to put them in the top 25 the following season. I I just can't see that. All right. With that, I want to mention one more time, we'll hear from James Franklin uh, coming up this week. He is scheduled to meet with us in the media on Wednesday, along with, most of uh, the assistant coaches on the staff, it looks like. So we'll get to hear from, you know, Mike Yurisich, Manny Diaz, some of these other guys. We'll have uh, a lot more stories coming up. I know I have not been writing as many stories on Penn State football throughout the summer because I do cover a professional baseball team in the Altoona Curve. But we will start having more Penn State stories here at DK Pittsburgh Sports in the coming weeks and certainly as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. So with that, we'll wrap up this week's We Are podcast. If you have any comments about anything you want to say, mention them here. Shoot me an email. Call my radio show. I'd love to hear from you. Have a good week, folks.